the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello and welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast, where people who have received blood products thank the donors who have saved, prolonged or improved their lives. My name is Kate Fisher. I'm the creator of Milkshakes for Mali, an award-winning Australian storyteller and a change maker. I am inspired by seven-year-old Mali, who started receiving life-saving blood products when she was just three years old. She is currently in remission from autoimmune encephalitis and not on a regular treatment protocol, but she will be dependent on blood donors for the rest of her life. As for her, blood products are life-saving when she relapses and life-preserving for every infusion in between. She is a true little miracle and has defied all of the medical odds, and it is my absolute honour and privilege to be her mum. This podcast is a creative solution to a social problem, which is persistent critical blood shortages in Australia, as not enough people donate. One in four Australians will need blood in their lifetime, and yet only about one in 30 eligible Australians donate. It's my mission to change that, while thanking as many blood donors as I can reach along the way. This week, I welcome a mother-daughter blood product recipient duo to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast and community. Fiona is mother to Siobhan and needed a life-saving blood transfusion as a result of a postpartum hemorrhage following the birth of her first child. This was 20 years before Siobhan was even born, and it's incredible to realise that had a blood donor not made their donation that Fiona needed for her life-saving blood transfusion, then Siobhan would never have been born. And I'm so grateful that she was because Siobhan is a 14-year-old with a deep determination to make the world a better place for children who experience a range of challenges and trauma. She is an incredible change maker and I'm so excited to see what she does with her life. If I could if I could meet the people who um, gave me my... Um blood donation I just give them a big hug and say thank you so much for saving my life. (laughs) Siobhan is a 14 year old on a mission to make sick kids feel less alone. Through sharing her own story, writing children's picture books, creating support packages and sensory aids, she is on a mission to support other Aussie kids experiencing trauma and stress. Siobhan and her business called My Pixie Friends caught my eye at the Queensland Young Achievers Awards last year, so much so that I tracked her and her mum down in the bathrooms to tell them just how much I wanted to engage with them. I quickly learned that in the early months of her life, after being born over three months premature, Siobhan was being resuscitated multiple times per day. She faced an open heart surgery, developed sepsis, an infected central line and pneumonia, all within those first few months of her life. She has had many blood and platelet transfusions, and without Australian blood donors, she would never have made it out of the neonatal intensive care unit alive. And I'm so glad she did, because she is an amazing young woman, already making such an incredible impact on the world. 
I recorded this episode a few months ago, but have held onto it to drop it this week as we recognise PTSD Awareness Week. Both Marley and I have been diagnosed with PTSD from medical trauma. I founded my child-centered play therapy practice outside a hospital setting, and many of my clients are children and their families who have experienced medical trauma. Post-traumatic stress disorder education and awareness activities around this world this week have been a powerful reminder of the impact of trauma. By raising awareness, reducing stigma, and ensuring appropriate access to resources in education, we can all be part of supporting those with a condition that impacts millions of people worldwide and every day. I am so grateful that both Fiona and Siobhan had their lives saved by Australian blood donors so they can continue to do the incredible work that they do in this space. And it is a joy to share their story today. So today we have Siobhan joined by her mum, Fiona, and they are from Our Pixie Friends. Um, And as our listeners know, we really like to focus on the incredible things that people do after they have had blood products. And this is just an incredible story and I can't wait to share it with everyone. So welcome Siobhan and Fiona. Welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast and community. Thank Thank you. you. It's so lovely to have you guys on here. Um, So Siobhan, how old are you now? I'm 14. Well, I just turned 14 in March. The amount that you have done in your short time on this earth just astounds me. Um, We met at the Queensland Young Achiever Awards and I heard your story. You were one of the finalists in those awards and I heard your story and I was just so overcome with your passion to be able to make the world a better place for the people around you. And I just had to seek you out. I think I, in fact, hunted you ladies down to the ladies' bathroom to come and say hello, (laughs) because I really wanted to have you as a guest on the podcast and to have you tell your story. So thank you so much for being here today. (laughs) It's an (laughs) honour. Now, Fiona, we might start with you. Can you tell me, I know it's difficult because it's such a big and complex story. And just a reminder to our listeners, this is not a medically or scientifically correct podcast. Um, But can you just tell me a little bit about Siobhan's story and her early arrival into the world? Okay. So um, Siobhan was born at 27 weeks, um, which uh, I was not prepared for. You don't expect your baby to come three months early. So I just went to the doctor one day. I wasn't feeling well. So I'd taken a day off school. And then I got a phone call from the doctor to say, oh, you've got gestational diabetes. You've got to come in and get a diet. And I went, oh, no, okay. And when I went in, I said, oh, I'm not feeling really well. And they were so calm. And they just went, oh, we might just, we might just get you to see the doctor today. Mm-hmm. And when he did an ultrasound, he discovered that I had HELP syndrome and that the placenta was breaking down. And so he said, oh, you're going to have a preemie baby. And I went, oh, okay. He went, no, no, I'm, I'm talking like in the next few hours. I went, what, what? Oh, wow. So, so did it run through your mind as to whether that would even, like that, that would be viable at 27 weeks? What's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, it was really scary. Um, but they were really calm. And so I was taken into 
the Northwest Private Hospital was where she was supposed to be born. Mm -hmm. And I was given lots of drugs and stuff to try and help her lungs develop sure. a bit. Yeah. Um, and then transferred to the Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital where oh. she was born with an emergency seizure. And then I didn't see her. <laughs> so um, after she was born, I just looked over and there were all these doctors and nurses crowding around her. And then she just, they took her away. Was she uh, your first baby? No, I actually have, uh, there's a 20 year gap. I have another oh. daughter who's now 34. She was wow. going to see me. <laughs> That's amazing. So you had a bit of an idea of what to expect then with a the pregnancy and that delivery so early certainly wasn't it. No, no, it was not part of my plan at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, that night, one of the nurses who was looking after me um, took me down they said oh have you seen your baby you don't want I haven't even seen her I, yeah. I don't know anything and she wheeled my whole bed down to the NICU wow. and all I could see from my bed was a little bit of beanie and a little bit of a knee and that was all I saw of her for the next few days wow. um, yeah yeah and it was just a terribly frightening time because she was in the NICU then for three months wow and you're recovering from major surgery at that point as well I think yes. <laughs> you know there's the the emotional shock and you know the toll of all of that but also you've just had a really big surgery and I can't imagine having to try and navigate mum as a NICU mum on top of recovering from a c-section and women do it every single day women are just the most phenomenal people I just yeah, yeah. Having had spent brief times with children, you know, in NICU and then paediatric intensive care, I know what an, an intense environment that can be. And I can't imagine if I was recovering from major surgery myself, how you would navigate that. Well, apparently I nearly died, but they didn't tell me that. It was so calm. <laughs> I had 24-hour nursing care, one-on-one -on -one for the first couple of days. Um, and I was, I had no idea how bad I was at the time mm. I just said to the nurse oh why don't you get a cup of tea or something you know it must be so boring sitting here she said, oh it's okay I would like to keep you alive <laughs> yeah. so do you know if you needed any blood products during that time um I have no idea what mm. they did I had drips in both arms and yeah and you're like whatever yeah just, just yeah. do whatever yeah just want my baby to be okay do whatever you need to do so I can get to my baby um yeah. but I mean obviously there would have been blood products on supply for you having a cesarean delivery there's always blood products there just in case you need them so they I would have been available for you <laughs> to make that procedure as safe as possible I definitely had them too when my other daughter was born you had blood products when your other daughter was born yeah Oh, so you're both definitely blood product recipients then. This is such a special episode. <laughs> so what did you, did you have a postpartum hemorrhage or something with her? Yes. yes. Yeah, wow. So had the blood products not been available for you with the birth of your first child, you would never have gone yeah. on to even have Siobhan. So Australian blood donors have been such an incredible part of your story. Oh, Yes. Yeah. 20 years before you were even born, Siobhan. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm learning everything every day. And then we were just reading last night when we went over Siobhan's journey on her discharge summary. And yeah. She'd had 
three blood transfusions in the NICU and no. one platelet and one platelet one as well yeah mm. Was that really overwhelming for you, Siobhan, having a look through some of the, that discharge summary and those medical records to get um, a black and white sense of what you have really been through? Yeah, because it definitely um, it definitely stretched my brain. I was like, oh, what does that mean? And mm. then when mum told me, I was like, oh, wow, what what does that mean? Why, why did I have that? And then, yeah. oh, wow, if I didn't have these blood products, if I didn't have the platelet, um, then I I would have died and I wouldn't actually be here to tell my story and I wouldn't even be on this podcast. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's incredible to think about that, that particularly with premature babies, no amount of medical or scientific, scientific advance or medical knowledge or the incredible specialists can keep little people alive without the kindness of blood donors to make sure those blood products are available. So, yeah. It's Australians that have, you know, kept us all together and, have, you know, created the opportunity for us to be here having this discussion today. Um, what was some... had some when she um, she was being resuscitated about three or four times a day until she had open heart surgery as well. So that was probably a time when she needed more blood products over there as wow. well. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. Um, the discharge summary is literally just dot points of what would have been some of the scariest and most horrible days of your life, Fiona, without a doubt. Can you give me just a brief rundown of what that time in NICU looked like for Siobhan? Um, uh, she was so sick that she wasn't allowed out of the humidity crib very often. Uh, mm. So normally they get kangaroo cuddles daily. Yeah. We often couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of sitting beside it with my arms shoved through the little holes. Yeah. Didn't you get like a I frozen ended up getting shoulder? frozen shoulder from sitting there like oh. that. <laughs> um, that a lot makes of, so much sense. A lot of singing to her and talking to her through the mm -hmm. little hole. Reading to yeah. me. Reading, yes. Um, mm. And I think the thing that struck me the most was that you weren't allowed to stroke them. Yeah. With my other daughter, that's how I used to calm her down was by yes. stroking her forehead and stroking her hair. Um, but to do that being painful is just, wow, that's really hard to understand mm. that touching her like that would cause pain. Yeah. Just so going that, against those natural motherly instincts, particularly yeah. if that's how you've settled a previous baby and you just want to connect with this beautiful little human. Yeah. So we used to be able to put one hand on a head and one hand on a bottom. And that was, yeah. it. <laughs> that was it. No more touching. Yeah. So now um, that's like that's like the spot that can't be down. So like when I was little, mm. I used to lie in bed, like my head on top of my bed. Like, oh, wow. It was the one, it was the spot that calms me down. And it's like, wow. <laughs> so. Just those memories, just that you would never be able to piece together unless someone told you that story. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it's so very what were the major medical things that happened while she was in NICU? Okay. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> well, she had, we were reading last night that the there was a central line that had gotten infected or something. Uh, yeah. And so that was more antibiotics. There was severe bruising. She was like all purple and black and green mm. a long time. She had 
septicemia and yeah, um, we've had like um, pneumonia and yeah. <laughs> six courses of antibiotics, loads of different antibiotics around which you're now allergic to. Yeah, <laughs> you just keep everyone on their toes, don't you? <laughs> I know. I just read after I after I had um, finished reading it, I said to mum. She I was a problem baby from the start. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. So what have some of those ongoing, have you had ongoing health challenges related um, to your premature delivery? Yes. yes many. <laughs> so as a result of being premature, Siobhan had a lot of sensory processing difficulties. Yeah. So she had difficulties too with balance, coordination, mm-hmm. um, had difficulty swallowing right so um, oh, I had to learning to suck was hard so we used to have to in the premier nursery stick this little premie dummy in her mouth and she kept doing tongue thrusting and pushing it out so we'd be shoving it back in all the time uh, to I teach still her to suck <laughs> um, yes, we still have our firstborn special dummy that he had when he was in NICU as well because he had a similar thing so and this baby baby little nappy yeah, he wasn't that little. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and she also has um, difficulties. There's a, a part of her brain that works with visual spatial um, information that mm-hmm. uh, didn't develop properly. So right. she now has been diagnosed with NVLD, which is a nonverbal learning disability. Right. Quite possible that that was part of the premie um, experience. Yeah, and some kids um, who have NVOD are misdiagnosed with ASD because right. it, um, it shares characteristics with ASD as well. So it kind mm-hmm. of so because it's not recognised in the GSM five yet. Um, I can't get NDIS, and people um, and people like me might get a wrong diagnosis. Or, you know, like yes. hard to hard to wrap your head around when nobody talks about it. Nobody talks yeah. about their medical struggles with NVLD. Yeah. yeah. And we will definitely pop a link to some of that information in our show notes as well, just in case anybody is listening to this episode and is interested to find out more about NVLD. Um, I'll pop a link to some more of that information in our show notes because that was my next question was, when you were talking about the sensory processing disorder and some of the developmental delay and that kind of thing, I was going to ask if you had a diagnosis of autism as well, because that can be so many of the pieces of the puzzle that fit together um, for that ASD diagnosis. Yeah. So NVLD actually shares some characteristics with ASD, with difficulty with social communication, understanding Mm -hmm. nonverbal cues. Yeah. It also has difficulties similar to ADHD with executive mm-hmm. function, planning, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with NVLD, there's also this major visual spatial deficit where right. she gets lost <laughs> very easily, doesn't right. recognise places. Like so there's some funny instances of that. <laughs> like when, we, when we first moved in, we went around, we're in a little cul-de-sac and we just right. went to introduce ourselves to the neighbours and we went to a house that's just diagonally opposite ours and when we turned around from the front door, 
Siobhan couldn't even recognise that it was our house right across the road. <laughs> oh, and yet you can't access NDIS funding to support you with that? No. No. <laughs> wow, that's really surprising because, I mean, surely that's going to impact on your life and your ability to be independent and... It does. <laughs> so I Blows my mind, Siobhan, because you could really be not focused on trying to improve the lives of others when you have so many challenges of your own that you've come up against. And I think that simply makes the work that you are doing all the more remarkable. So let's have a little chat about that. Um, your story really struck me as a mum of children with various neurodevelopmental and physical disabilities um, and particularly Marley who has spent probably more time in her little life in hospital than she has out of hospital um, you know we've done stints of months at a time and spent lots of time in pediatric intensive care um, she's nearly passed away a few times we've had a really rough run with her she's in remission at the moment she's doing brilliantly she's at school part-time and her life is incredible at the moment but I certainly know what some of those really yeah. tough days have looked like so to meet a young woman like you and your passion is to make sick kids feel less alone just struck such a chord with me because I know how isolating that experience can be. Um, and Marley had a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder from medical trauma. So it impacts all other areas of her life, even when she's not spending significant amounts of time in hospital. Um, so can you just tell me a little bit about the work that you do and why it's so important to you? Um, so I've actually started a business called Our Pixie Friends and we want to help children to feel less alone in their struggles. Mm. So we do it with four ways. Um, so I've published three children's picture books about anxiety, being friends, um, and being kind to those who are different because I find that um, it's just misunderstanding. When you're going to school, kids are mean without realising kids um, bully um, kids with these struggles and um, I found I found that I was kind of in the middle of that and children didn't understand my struggles. They they used to comment on things that, you know. Not going to hold your hand because yeah. your skin's yucky. And... Yeah, and not inviting me to birthday parties. Like my best friend put invitations on everyone else's desk except mine. Um, and they weren't going to invite me because um, their parents were too afraid that I'd have an allergy there. And I said, I would have just brought my safe food. You know, there's always like a way around it. But yeah, absolutely. We want to call the parents and say, hey, can you bring like their own food? You know, mm. and I think too. Well, surely your mum could have come with you to help you make food choices if you were at an age that yeah. you couldn't do it yourself. You know, we say to our kids all the time that there is nothing in the world that they can't do. We might just have to do things a little bit differently to other people sometimes and in a different time frame. but we can always make sure that they can participate in whatever it is in their own way. So that's really disappointing on the part of the parents that weren't ensuring that you were included. I think it was awkward too um, 
another one that Siobhan has as a result of being so premy is a bowel bladder dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So her bladder didn't grow very well. Mm -hmm. And when she was growing up, it was particularly hard with her nephews because a very standard thing for parents to say to their kids is only babies wear nappies. Oh, yes. Yeah. But as, as she got older, and kids would say to her, but only babies wear nappies. Because, you know, when I'm going on, a, on, a, on an excursion or whatever and I have to wear a nappy on the bus or whatever, kids don't understand. They say, well, only babies wear nappies. What are you talking about? And I remember being really scared to tell kids that because I didn't want to be open to shame and embarrassment. And mm. I remember going to a sleepover and I didn't want to share with the girls that I have to wear nappies when yeah. I'm going to sleep. And, but the mum was really nice and helped me to tell them, but like kids shouldn't have to be ashamed of who they are or be ashamed mm. of what they're going through. So that's basically the idea of my business, to help children mm. be less ashamed of who they are and be happy with who they are because that's who they're made to be. And how phenomenally brave and inspiring that is that you are willing to put that story out there without holding animosity or blame or any of those things to the people out there that you've taken the path of creating awareness and giving people a narrative to work with and creating a resource for people as well. So even beyond the picture books that you have created, which are just phenomenal. And I'll get you to show us some of them in a minute. Um, but I was having a look through your website and I really loved that there was resources for um, teachers and for daycare, templates for um, cards if families have been separated when they um, are in hospital and they might not have a parent with them. And one that I really wanted to touch on was the um, medical record and journey that you know, to take medical information that the template you've got on there that is in a child-centered format as well. Like I loved the graphics on it. I loved the bigger lines and I know how incredibly empowering it has been for Marley, even at such a young age, like even at the age of three, to be able to engage in her own medical care and make some decisions around her own medical care. So I think it's so important that you've got templates on there that are family-friendly that can be used by everybody. And I'll give you some examples of the way that we engaged her. So um, our children all have diabetes. So one of the things, even at the age of three, that I could say to her was, we need to take your blood sugar. I know it hurts when you prick your finger, but I can let you choose which finger you prick. And so that put that little bit of power and control back to her. Um, she got a port when she was having infusions every couple of weeks. And we could say to her when, you know, she would say, I don't want special button. She called it. Um, I don't want special button access. It's going to hurt. And we could say to her, okay, so you get to choose. You can choose if you want teddies, which is what she called a cannula because they had a teddy bear sticker on them or special button. You get to choose which one of those things that you have. We can't not do the treatment because we need to keep you alive. You need the blood products to keep you alive. But what we can do is we can let you choose whether we do teddies or special buttons. So make that age appropriate language and then empower her with that choice. Um, and I think that, you know, medical record keeping template that you've got on there, you can totally see a child being able to interact with some of that to keep some of their own records in a child appropriate way um, and, and to be more engaged in their own care. And I think that um, it's really important to get the children to be included in their medical, um, 
in their medical journey because yeah. so many children when they're just lying in hospital or whatever um doctors just say oh I'm gonna do this and they don't really talk to the kids about why they're gonna do it you know yeah. they think, oh they won't understand they, they're too little just mm-hmm. do it you know yeah but they're actually inside their bodies they know what's going on and sometimes they can learn you know this is what I need this is what I want um mm-hmm. can you can you just help me to get better yeah yeah so we go on in our family we have not just medical stuff but with everything with our kids we just have a policy of no surprises so we would never just hold our kid down and do something to them we would always explain to them why and what needed to be done um and very much writing that narrative (laughs) I mean you also have to hold them down but (laughs) you don't just hold them down and have a surprise procedure we would say you know we need to put this needle in now and they say, is it going to hurt? I would say, yeah, it is going to hurt. Um, but if you stay really, if you stay as still as you can, scream as loud as you want to. But if you stay as still as you can, gives them the best chance of getting it the first time. So hopefully it doesn't hurt as much. Um, I think it's yeah, really interesting no that you said without. that. Mm. Because as a parent, there were some tests and things that they did on Siobhan when she was little that I couldn't really prepare her for because I really didn't know what was going to happen either. Yeah. And I remember this one really traumatic time when it took five doctors holding her down, um, doctors, nurses, whoever it was that they had. Yeah. Um, They were holding her down, shoving this stuff in her throat to examine what happened when she swallowed. And she was screaming and gagging on the staff. And I'm like, can you just, just hang on a minute, just, just explain what you're doing and I don't have time I don't have time for this we've got to hang on you know you had if you just took a moment to let her know what was going on it would be done like five times faster absolutely yeah if I don't know what's going on I'm going to be traumatized for the rest of my life if I don't know what's going on I'm going to be yeah. scared and if I don't know what's going on what is going to happen to me and I'm this huge scared. big thing came down over you, know, you that we didn't know and yeah so this is a big part of the reason that I have um started my child-centered play therapy practice outside of a hospital setting as well um and it is primarily to work with um children and families who have experienced medical trauma Marley needed to go needed to have play therapy to work through her medical PTSD and the only way we could access that was to go back into a hospital setting so as soon as you take her back through the front doors you know of the Queensland Children's Hospital she's like mummy is this a hurting appointment or a talking appointment Mm -hmm. and she's not going to sit down and play and interact and work through her trauma in the way that she needs to in a hospital setting because it smells like last time she was there and she experienced trauma. The lighting is the same. You know, we're walking down the same corridors to get to the same places. And, you know, it's so important to give not just children, but also their families space to unpack that trauma. Um, And then to be empowered to make decisions, not just in their own medical care, but in all aspects of their life going forward. Yeah. We did a lot of playing doctors and hospitals. Yeah, absolutely. Because like sometimes when I was younger, I didn't know what was going to happen because there were different, there were different procedures that I'd never heard of and that I needed to have. And um, mum had to explain it to me and we could like play that or play doctors or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But I remember going to the doctors and I remember asking my mum sometimes, am I going to have a needle? Yes. And she'd say no. 
because she'd think I wasn't and then all of a sudden I'll need one. Oh, and then they so, gave her a blood test. I was like, oh. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, no it's sometimes, sometimes it's hard to prepare your kids for what's going to happen. But, mm. um, you know, instead of saying no, maybe say maybe. But Yeah, I don't think so. But if that yeah. changes, I promise I'll let you know there's no surprises is yeah. the way that I go with it. So I think it's really important, you know, no one goes into life well goes into having children or it doesn't have to be your child someone in your family you don't expect to be navigating the world with someone in your family with injury illness or disability you know that's just not the way that we imagine that life is going to be and there's no script and there's limited support for people as to how to navigate that so the fact that you've created tools for people to show them as someone who has experienced this what is useful for you and things like the picture books to open and start those conversations because often starting the conversation is the most difficult thing as a parent and you don't know what's going to open up your child to let them know something they've experienced that you haven't seen or what supports they need, whether they just need to feel held and for you to hold that space for them to share that trauma if they actually want guidance and support. So I think the work that you're doing is so important. So thank you. Um, can you tell me about your new project? Okay. So um, this year I've actually embarked on the Cozy Proud project. And um, I started it because I wanted to help children experiencing trauma to not feel alone and know that someone in the community actually cares about them mm -hmm. and, and understands what they're going through and knows that they're special. Um, mm -hmm. so for some children, they might not, be told that they might be in domestic violence situations they might be in foster care or they might just be in hospital you know scared um so I've created these little packs. I've created these little packs um that come with my third picture book about anxiety and also soft, <laughs> a soft silent luxury toy that has no eyes so they don't care what you look like they have ears to hear your worries, but no mouth to share your secrets. Um, and you can tell them your worries, you know, when you're going to a procedure or you're going um, through something that you're really scared about. You can just tell your friend, you know, we've had children that um, get like meltdowns and stuff and their parents just go, okay, go, go find your friend, go get your friend. And they come out with it on their wrist because it fits on their wrist and and it, well this is making so emotional this is such an incredible resource comes with my third picture book it's really hard to navigate um called minxie the meltdown pixie helps tommy um yeah. and it's a pixie that has to overcome his fears to help a little boy um and this one is an activity booklet for the cozy power because that's what they're called for younger children um so it helps the child think about how they can use their cozy pal and apply it in their own life that's incredible, guys. And then it comes with um, a thinking of you card. Um, we haven't got it here at the moment. But signed by all the it's signed by all the pixies um, to tell them that they care about them and think they're special. And then a little activity fun book to go with that one as well. And also a little message from the sponsor. Like this one says, I hope you like this gift. You are very special, brave and amazing. Keep being you. And we have like all these different... Um, like we have like little messages for them and um we just I remember going to the Queensland Children's Hospital um and I went on Radio Lollipop um the other day and 
um, I was able to give some of my packs to children experiencing trauma and they were and they were really useful and there was this one little boy that um, was, had listened to me on the radio oh wow had listened to me on the radio and had asked the nurse to call up and ask for the pixie to come and visit him so I was dressed as a pixie and I mm. came and gave him a pack he was in a family room so he was away from his room and the nurse went and got him and he came running up to me and grabbed the pack and um and then um was was so excited to get the sensory toy. So they cut it out of the box and he, <laughs> he had it right up on his arm, waving it around. <laughs> and yeah, it, and it then you so did cute. magic pixie crystals. And then um we said the magic rhyme to help him feel brave. So we've got little magic pixie crystals that come in a little plastic bottle and um, you sprinkle a little bit into your hand and say the magic rhyme and then it takes your worries to Sprizzletania and our pixie friends are watching over you so that's where the pixies look um, that's incredible and then the older children we have a super soft sensory it's the same idea but it's more discreet and it can fit up your sleeve um, yeah they like a bangle yeah <laughs> Siobhan um, used hers when she had anaphylaxis in January. Wow. She grabbed it and took it in the ambulance and just had it with her the whole time. Just you know, it was like, out. actually, this is calming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes, I think, sometimes I think when we're creating the resources, um, we're not the ones to use them. Like we we have the idea of using them and yeah. we use them, but we're so busy creating them for other children that um, we never really get a chance to you had a chance to use it. I had a chance to use it. And my actions come. <laughs> so if you were saying before that sponsors have, um, people sponsor these packs for people. So if our listeners are interested in sponsoring some packs for children that are in hospital, how would they go about that? So there's different ways to do it. Um, you can go on our website and um, go into the rainbow shop. It's at the left, the top left-hand corner of our map. Yeah. Um, so when you go onto the website, there's an interactive map of Spiritania where all the pixies live and you can click on all the different parts. So in the shop, it has all my picture books, my sensory fidgets and little sponsor boxes. So um, the bigger ones are $40 and the little ones for teenagers are $10. So um, they like even a little bit of money to go towards it, you know, $2 could help to fund a box you know if um, some people put together two dollars each then that would that would help to fund so many boxes of children yeah amazing and so can people um if you know somebody who's in hospital at the moment or you'd like to purchase one for your own child are you able to have them posted to yeah, just, email just email us or dm <laughs> yeah. us on instagram because yeah. i think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast um have children or family members who have experienced medical trauma or have ongoing you know trauma or prolonged time in hospital and I think there will be a lot of people that will be really interested to see how they can access those because the products are beautiful and the books are amazing and we also um, have a GoFundMe for our project as well so it's wonderful so I'll pop a link to that in the show notes and get well cards you know <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll direct people to you guys and I'll make sure I'll link your socials and stuff through so people can come and find you because it's such an incredible resource and it can make such a big difference to so many families. So just to close this out, I was really drawn to you because my mission through the work that I do with my blood donation advocacy 
and we use this podcast as a platform and a tool to do that is that I just want to make the world a better place and I don't ever want another parent to be sitting in hospital with a small child wondering if there's enough blood in the supply to keep their child alive that's the greatest fear that I have experienced um and I want to be a change maker as it is termed at the moment um that's a very hot term at the moment that everybody's using change makers a big deal um and you as soon as I heard your story and I saw the work that you were doing Siobhan you are an incredible change maker you're inspiring other people um you're adapting to the world around you and you are sharing with the world what your world looks like in the hope of that helping so many other people um and you just inspire me so much you're such a beautiful picture of post-traumatic growth and I just really hope that this episode can encapsulate that had Fiona, you not had blood products 20 years ago when, you know, 20 years before she was born with your first child, Siobhan would never have been born because you wouldn't have survived to then have Siobhan who needed the blood products to now go on in the world and do the incredible work that she does. So I just want to thank you both so much for being part of the Milkshakes for Mali community. Um, and I can't wait what to see what comes next. <laughs> oh, no, not more. <laughs> Um, I don't think anything that I, I'll come up with um, this year will be out of fitting down boot for Expo. <laughs> um, but no, I I would encourage children, I'd encourage people to, um, you know, donate blood, donate what they what they would like feel comfortable doing because um, if you can donate like a little bit of blood, that can go a long way in saving someone's life and go a long way in. Um, you know, even bringing more lives to the world as well. So um, I, I just, I just, you know, wish that um, that people, more people would do it because um, it definitely helps us and definitely helps to save lives. Yeah. Fiona, do you have a final message to the blood donors who have both kept you alive and kept your daughter alive? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> because <laughs> the yeah the idea of this podcast is that um if you've ever been a blood donor you could listen to this episode and wonder if you were the one who saved the life or improved the quality of life of the person that we interview each week so to have two blood product recipients on the program today um it's just wonderful and i hope that the people that donated to you both are listening and can see the change that they have made in the world by allowing you guys to do the same. So thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I was so humbled by this chat. Um, Siobhan's strength and courage in sharing her story and her determination to improve the lives of others inspired me so much. And I can't wait to see what comes next for this remarkable young Queensland woman. One of my greatest joys in making this podcast is highlighting the things that blood product recipients go on to achieve in their survival. And this episode is such a powerful demonstration of this. Please check out my Pixie friends so you can see for yourself the incredible work that this amazing woman is doing. I will pop a link in the show notes. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher. I am also your executive producer. Today's guests were blood product recipients, Fiona and Siobhan from My Pixie Friends. 
Welcome to Country and Audio Production by my amazing husband, Jeff Fisher. Social Media Assets by Jason at Strosky Media. I am currently finalising guests for this season. So if you have a story that you want to share or you would like to nominate a guest for the podcast, please get in contact with me via the Milkshakes for Mali Instagram page. Um, we have had some incredible nominations for guests um, and I can't wait to share them with you as the season goes on. Um, there's some really, really special episodes that are still yet to come. So um, keep an eye on your podcast feed for those to drop in the coming weeks. Um, and as always, please book a donation um, and add it to the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood Team Tally. There's a link on how to make this booking in your show notes. And as always, I will leave the final word to Mali. Thank you for my prize, Mark.